I just want to begin by thanking Pastor Seth in his absence for allowing me to stand behind this sacred desk this morning. It's an honor. I've done my field education here, and the fact that I'm invited back means, you know, I didn't do too bad, so. Uh, <laughs> so the text has already been read, but for emphasis, I will be reading 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 13, which reads, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. But her voice was not heard. Pray with me on the sermonic topic, the voice of the voiceless. The voice of the voiceless. Most high God, who sits high in heaven, I come to you requesting your power, your peace, and your presence. I come to you standing in the need of prayer. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary, that the people would not see me or hear me, but they would see you, O oh God, and hear you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to thee, my strength and redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When I was a child, I did not always feel heard. I have heard it said that young girls are to be seen and not heard. I did some research about this proverb, and it has its origins in the 15th century culture where women were to be seen and not heard. In other words, they were to only speak unless they were spoken to or asked to speak. So when Hannah was in the temple, the Bible says that Eli watched her lips but did not hear. It sounds like Hannah herself was seen, but not heard. It sounds like Hannah herself was seen, but not heard. She has a voice, but she struggles to find her voice in a society where women are voiceless. Having a voice means being able to speak your truth and to assert your needs and your wants. We arrive in the middle of the story of Hannah and we know a few things about this sister. We know a few things about her and the first is this, God has closed Hannah's womb, which means that she does not yet have a child. Second, Hannah has a particular hater. Her name is Penina. Yes, Penina has many children, but Hannah has none. So it sets up the dichotomy of the have and the have-nots. I don't know about you, but some of us have looked at what our neighbor has, and we have wanted that, what they have. But God says that what I have for you is for you. Someone say, it's not my time yet. And so third, we have Hannah, we know that Hannah is a praying 
woman. Yes, she goes up to the temple, escaping her husband, and goes to pray to the Lord. And fourth, we know that Hannah is struggling to find her voice. Yes, my sister is struggling, and Hannah is introduced to us through her polygamous husband. His name is Elkanah, and Elkanah does not understand Hannah's pain. Hannah's story is even contained in the book named after her son. So in her own story, she is not even lifted up. Hannah's only real significance to the average reader is through the men in her life which make her relevant. And so as a woman, Hannah occupies a low rung in the social order of the ancient society. In biblical times, women were perpetually in the state of dependence on men. Women in the Old Testament were subjugated and treated like property. This is the world of Hannah. Now I'm giving you permission to struggle with this text as I did. I wrestled with this text this week. I wonder why does Hannah not speak up for herself? The Bible tells us in verse seven that whenever Hannah went up to the temple, her adversary, the same word that means enemy, the same word that means someone who's opposing you, her adversary, her rival, Penina would provoke her to anger. Yes, she would provoke her to the point where Hannah was weeping and her soul was downcast and she would not eat. Yes, Penina was probably jealous because the Bible says that Hannah had favor on her life. See, sometimes we think that because, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, that because we have favor on our life, we won't go through anything. But I came to tell you that sometimes when you have favor on your life, God will allow you to have enemies. He will allow you to have adversaries to bring out the oil in your life. And so Hannah was a strong woman, yes, but even strong women cry. And the Bible never tells us that Hannah verbally acknowledges Penina. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Hannah never verbally acknowledges her haters. I came to tell you today that you don't have to acknowledge your haters. Amen. You can go ahead about your life and God is going to bless you. And so the Bible never tells us about what Hannah says back. It just says that Penina is the bully. So in my sanctified imagination... I heard some of the remarks that Hannah could have came back with because I'm somebody who I got to come back if somebody's talking about me. And so I said, this woman could have said, that's why your wig stiff. That's why your teeth crooked. That's why your kids look like aliens. But no, Hannah doesn't say any of that. She just goes about her day. I wrestled with why Hannah remains seemingly voiceless in the face of her haters. My big question is, where is Hannah's voice? Ask your neighbor, where is Hannah's voice? The text tells us that Hannah maintains the same silence with her husband. In verse eight, there is a one-way dialogue. Her husband Elkanah says to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat, boo? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Hannah said, bye. 
Hannah leaves for the temple without saying anything to her man. So in the face of her anguish, in the face of her turmoil, of not having children that she so deeply desires, Elkanah centers himself. Uncomprehending, he takes her pain personally. Elkanah says, what about me when it's not about him? Yet even in her troubling pain, Hannah remains seemingly voiceless. Where is Hannah's voice? Like Ursula stealing Ariel's voice in the cinematic production Little Mermaid, it seems like somebody or something has taken Hannah's voice. Reverend Patrick, did she lose her voice after years of being told that women are to be seen and not heard? Reverend Amos, what is at stake for Hannah if she has a voice? Maybe it's keeping the peace. Maybe Hannah is tired of her voice falling on the ears of people who don't even want to acknowledge her pain. Maybe she learns silence as a defense mechanism. There are many reasons people are rendered voiceless. We know that silence can be deadly. Zora Neale Hurston said, if you are silent about your pain, they will kill you and say you enjoyed it. I think about how and why people are kept voiceless in our society, stripped of their right to feel, stripped of their right to feel safe to express themselves. Some people don't share their pain because no one has ever asked them about it. Some people don't share their pain because they're scared. Other people don't share their pain because no one has shared they care enough to listen and hold space. You see, this text here is calling us to listen in compassion. Did you know that there is a deep difference between hearing and listening? Hearing is passive. It can go in one ear and out the other. But listening is active. Listening is a skill. And listening is something we need to learn. If we listen closely to Hannah's voice, the Bible tells us that she is a woman who is deeply troubled. I wonder what would happen if we listened to the voices of the marginalized. I wonder what would happen if we listened to the voices of the children, the voices of the oppressed, the voices of the refugees, the voices of those who are on the underside of history. See, like Hannah, I too am deeply troubled. I am deeply troubled by our criminal justice system. I am deeply troubled by the 13th Amendment amendment that has made slavery legal in this country. I am deeply troubled by the economic injustice that we see with no reparations. I am deeply troubled. And so my sister Hannah was crying out to me this morning. And my prayer today is that someone's ears will be open to hear her cry. Look at the text. Hannah is praying in her heart and her lips are moving, but her voice is not heard. 
Eli thinks she has had too much to drink. She had too much Patron. But it is customary to pray out loud, but Hannah's petition is beyond words. Eli is mistaken because he labels her. Hannah is not drunk. We know that Eli couldn't hear her words because she's praying in her heart. Now, I don't want to be too hard on Eli before, you know, going in on him, but people like Eli make accusations before having all the evidence. People like Eli make judgments based on witnessing just a little bit about someone's situation. People like Eli, come on somebody, Eli thought he knew her story, but in reality he had no idea what she was going through. That's why you're called to love your neighbor because you never know what someone is going through. And we all know people like Eli, but help me Holy Ghost, is there anyone in the room that's willing to admit that we have often been like Eli? We have been unkind. We may have been judgmental. People like Eli, label what they don't understand. By being like Eli, we contribute to the marginalization of people who are already struggling to find their voices. You see, Donald Trump, back in 2016, labeled our Mexican brothers and sisters rapists and drug runners. Rich people label the poor lazy. But when I see how Hannah is labeled, I think of how black women are often labeled loud, aggressive, mad, and angry. You see, people label black women in an attempt to silence us. They call us loud, but they're still not listening. Labeling us works to silence people. Because if you can silence a person, you can make a person forget their power. When you silence a person, you can help them forget that they have power. Yet, I praise God who has all power in his hands. I praise God who lends and lowers his ear to this daughter, Hannah. I have been asking throughout this sermon, where is Hannah's voice? Well, I think I've got an answer. I'd like to think that Hannah's voice is in the safest and soundest place the ears of God. Yes, the ears of God. I am reminded, I am reminded that God hears us even when we feel voiceless. It is in talking to God that Hannah finds her voice. After being voiceless with Penina, her hater, after being voiceless with her husband, Hannah begins to cry out to the Lord, and she begins to pray, and I tell you today that her prayer was answered. You see, Hannah finds her voice and comes to her own defense fence when when Eli is questioning her she says no my lord I am a woman of sorrowful spirit I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but I have poured out my soul to the Lord it was only after talking to God I don't know about you but sometimes you can't talk to other people but you gotta learn how to just rely on God and so when Hannah uses her voice 
She changes the mind of this presumptuous priest. Yes, she does. God gave each of us in this room a voice. Yes, he did. We can raise our voice and advocate for injustice. We can raise our voice and advocate for our neighbor who is vulnerable. We can raise our voice to speak against assaults on black, brown, disabled, and gendered bodies. Yes, we can raise our voice in praise to a God who hears all our prayers and petitions and who answers them according to his will. So I ask you, saints in the sanctuary, where is your voice? If you're in the sanctuary, just give God a hand clap of praise because he hears your voice. Yes, he does. I pray that it can be found in the city streets. I pray that your voice can be found in the classroom. I pray that your voice can be found in your job and at your office. And I pray that your voice can be found in the church house, worshiping and lifting up a praise to God. But most of all, I hope that your voice, like my sister Hannah, can be found in the ears of God, who hears you even when others don't, who keeps you when no one else could, who loves you when you felt unlovable. This is the God we serve. Amen.